Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Say Who Say Pod. He is Danny O'Neill. I am Christian Capel. Uh, the Washington Huskies once again triumphed over by on Saturday. They remain unbeaten against their Idle Week opponent. Um, Danny, what? How, how was your weekend? Did you did you watch any Pac-12 football? And do you uh, do you partake in the the Halloween festivities as a, a candy giver, or or kind of what were your plans for this most revered holiday here? We we do we do partake as candy givers. It was, it was a bit depressing. Um, I live in a high rise in Manhattan, and we signed up for candy distribution, and we didn't have any trick or treaters. Zero. None. Wow. So now, you... it 2019, the first year there were some. So I'm not sure if it's just become. And then the past two years they haven't done it because of COVID and whatnot. Um, so I just I don't I don't know if that is is out of favor. Possibility we don't have enough kids running around but yeah i put on i put on a dinosaur costume my wife was a dinosaur uh hunter jurassic park like safari guide oh and and we we had we had no one come we were left with all of our peanut and plain m&ms are you guys on like the ground floor or up up higher we're on floor 14 okay. what do you think that means yeah means we're really on the 13th floor oh any yeah any uh have you have you experienced any any hauntings no, uh-uh, no, no. I don't think we've been haunted. We, we've experienced no hauntings. So I I did the thing where I, I went to the store last second to get some candy just in case, and I bought... Did you dress up the baby? <laughs> we did, so she's, yeah. she's not two yet. Yeah. Um, we did on on Sunday, we went, so my wife's parents and both of her sisters all own houses in like the Spanaway area in the same general vicinity. So we, we stopped at one of her sisters and then went to her parents with Ruby in costume. She also was a dinosaur, uh, loves Sweet. dinosaurs. She, yes. She was a Triceratops, which Triceratops I, is the best dinosaur. I've discerned that it's her favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it's kind of her, her go-to the one that she likes to say the most. So, um, she had fun with that. We did on Halloween itself. We went next door. Um, and she got, See, her issue with trick-or-treating right now is she just wants to eat the snacks right away. Yeah. So, like, she got some candy, which we ate, and then some fruit snacks. And she just, it's like, no, we, we are not doing a single thing until I eat every one of these fruit snacks. So the going house-to-house thing is probably not going to happen yet. But we did get her to put the costume on and enjoy it a little bit. Um, she likes wearing the head more than anything. And she was, like, I could tell she was kind of starting to grasp, like, Okay, Halloween means costume. Costume means trick or treating, and trick or treating is this. So, you could see some connections being made there. We did not get a single kid at our house, um, which I was kind of expecting. One because our porch light is out, and that's kind of been an issue. Like since we've owned the house, is getting bulbs to not burn out quickly. Like I think of the first two Halloweens we were there, we didn't have a porch light on, so no one came, and then we got it fixed finally. And we're really excited about it. And I think the year, like the one or two years we had it on, maybe we got like two or three kids. So we're not we're not a real high traffic neighborhood to begin with. Was it was it disappointing? Did you feel like slightly heartbroken? Not really. Um, yeah. I'm 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 more just I'm all about. You know, you got to prepare. Got to buy all this candy it's true. To, to prepare. It's true. You don't want to be ready. caught unprepared. Uh, and then oh geez, no one came. We just got all this candy. That's that's too bad. I guess I'll what just kind of candy did you get? Eat it myself. So <laughs> it's the ultimate like bottom of the barrel. I literally 
picked up my daughter from daycare and was like, you know, we should have something to give in case a kid comes. I don't want yeah. you know. Probably no one will because it's dark, but so I went to Fred Meyer. Literally the only like individually wrapped candy they had left was a bag of York peppermint patties, which I love. I buy those I like anyway. The York just peppermint to eat patties. those. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt I was like, okay, that's good. That's good enough. And then like a, a couple bags of like Hershey's kisses and that was it. So not not horrible, but you know, none of the none of the real good stuff was left. Yeah. I, I feel that like I'm I'm like an I've got an eight year old's palate because like my favorite grab bag is the Laffy Taffy nerds. If you got mm, those some stoppers up in there, like the the Willy Wonka, just different, different, different hard level of sugar, like different hardness of sugar. Pure sugar is 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 my favorite one. We got the M&M's this time, plain and peanut, which is a classic. Also like the Butterfinger. I think the Butterfinger is the one candy bar that I only like in fun size. Like, I don't think I've ever wanted to eat a whole Butterfinger. But the fun size Butterfinger is the perfect size of Butterfinger. I love Butterfinger. That used to be, like, my go-to. I would get every time. It's one trait, like, if you were evaluating it as a as a draft prospect. And I say this because there's this, this – I assume it's a TikTok page. I see it on Instagram. But there's these two guys who just do, like, random drafts of all sorts of things. And they were doing a best candy bar draft the other day, and I was – I was curious where Butterfinger would, would end up. If you're evaluating Butterfinger as a draft prospect, the one trait that would have you concerned is just the crumbleability. It's hard to take bites out of it without like getting chocolate everywhere relative yes. to other candy bars, I feel like. So that, mm-hmm. that would not be as much of a concern with the fun size. So I see where you're going with that one. There's also the tendency of the Butterfinger to become like a cake caked onto the the surface of your teeth of your molars that's true too. is is one of the weirder phenomenon like i i'm not saying it's a drawback like it's a unique it's a unique sort of experience like no other candy bar offers that particular phenomenon occurring are you familiar with the fast break i have heard of the fast break i don't think i've ever eaten one is that the one that's like seven different things in compartments it's it's got um it's chocolate with like nougat and peanut butter inside. It might be my I favorite candy familiar. bar. It's the one I always go to, and I feel like it's like super underrated. I don't know that I've ever seen it in fun size though. I don't know if I've ever seen a fast break candy bar. Where do you get this? I mean, I just did at the grocery store. Oh, it's a it's a form of a Reese's. It oh, is, okay. yeah, yeah. It's a oh, okay. It's a subset. Like that is. <laughs> It's that not falls its under the category of a Reese's. No, it's not its own. It's like a hybrid. Fast break, like I thought you were talking about like Big Hunk or something like that. No, it's part of the Reese's family. <laughs> so you're saying it's like a it, it's it's like a defensive end it's playing a outside linebacker. <laughs> no, it's 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 a species. It's its own species of Reese's, like but falls <laughs> under the Reese's family. Yeah, I think the the fast break is fine. The fast break is it's not the best of the Reese's subset. Like the best is the Big Cup. The the mm-hmm. big cup with the the enormous size because of the the concentration of peanut butter, but yeah, the fast yeah. the fast break is good. I thought there was some sort of mystery thing that was I, I had not heard of before, and I was like that that's very odd because I thought I was familiar with all types of candy bar. This does raise like I, I hadn't thought about this all sorts of new new fun things that you you discover as a parent. So our our daughter has a peanut allergy, and that hadn't occurred to me till this no. year because this was the first time we put her in a costume and took her out. Granted, we literally yeah. just went next door, but it occurred to me like how big of a challenge that's going to be to teach her. Like, 
the Reese's, you know, like, oh, you got to say no thank you on those. Those can make you sick. Like, But at least, like, she's really young and will grow up with, you know, kind of with that understanding. And hopefully it'll it'll be a smooth transition. But that hadn't really dawned on me until this Halloween. Yeah, I feel bad for her. That's hard. Yeah, well, maybe by then Reese's will have developed, like, a, a, sun, a sun butter peanut, peanut butter cup. Uh, substitute because she sort loves of alternative. We use sun yeah. butter. We use sun butter, uh, sunflower seed butter for like you know sun butter sandwiches instead of peanut butter, and she loves those. So maybe someone will uh, will develop that. I did see that uh, UW football put out a video. Romo Dunze was going around asking his teammates, you know, what their favorite Halloween candy was, and I forget who who it was he was talking to, but one of them said almond joy, and then he himself said he was an almond joy guy, which I was I was shocked yeah, to almond find. Joy's good. You, you you like almond joy? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. I you don't, don't hate like, it. You I, don't like almond joy? I just like. I, I feel like you wouldn't see that uh, uh, very high on many people's favorite lists. Really? I don't I, know. I mean, I could understand why mounds. Mounds is boring. Mounds is just dark chocolate and coconut. But like almond, like you've got three components: the milk chocolate, the the almond, and then the the coconut. Yeah. No, almond joys. Almond joy would be in my top five. Wow, I might have to revisit it. Um, I've got a, I've got a. a this, fo- this seven, the seven up bar is the. Before we move on, the when you asked about fast break, and I was saying the one that's seven different. It's called the seven up bar, which See. was seven different types of chocolate. Uh, that is an old and antiquated candy that is no longer available. I haven't heard of that one. Maybe yeah, that's why. That's for old folks. Um, Wyman likes that. <laughs> I, I have a moving off of. This topic, which I could, I, we could honestly do a whole podcast on Halloween candy. I don't know that anyone wants to listen to that, though. I would. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, a football-related hypothetical for you. Two, two actually. They're, rela- they're related to one another. Um, do you think it's more likely that Washington wins at Oregon or loses at home to Colorado? More likely they win at Oregon. I think, I think that's the, the clear answer. By what uh, by what margin though? What percentage? Like by what order of magnitude are you more confident that they would have a chance to win in Eugene versus what would have to happen for them to lose at home to Colorado? Three to one. Like I'm trying to think on like a money line. Yeah, I think I would go three to one. I probably wouldn't go above three to one. I think it's three times more likely that Washington would win at Oregon compared to lose at home to Colorado. On a related note, would you trade a win at Oregon in exchange for a loss at home to Colorado? Yes. You would? Cocaine heartbeat, yes. (laughs) Here's the thing, because I was talking about this with someone the other day. Those two results are... Very would be very difficult to reconcile with one another. That yeah. if they're capable of the first, how in the world could the second happen? But in this in this universe where that does happen, yes, they literally happen seven days apart. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You I'll don't. Ta- I'll take that trade every single time. You don't think that undoes any of like? They- I don't care. It wrecks <laughs> Oregon. I, it, it seriously like I'll t- I'll take the blowback from that and you're like oh my god I can't believe they lost to Colorado how'd they go on it's like yeah it sucks they lost to Colorado but they beat Oregon like if if you're given like you have to think about it results oriented but honestly I don't expect them to win at Oregon I expect them to go one and one in those games and if you told me like okay they're gonna go one and one I'd be like okay 
Like that, that seems about right. Like I'm not happy with it because that means that they probably lost at Oregon and I really don't want them to lose at Oregon, but I think that's a likely outcome. And then you're like, they're one and one, but they beat Oregon. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Like, but they lost to Colorado. I'm like, yeah, but that wrecks Oregon, right? <laughs> like, it's one and one, and you've put a stick in the spokes of Oregon's little bicycle where they're like, oh, it doesn't matter that we lost Georgia by 46 points. Maybe we'll get in the college football playoff. It's like, nope, no, you won't. You got beat at home by Washington with its new coach. Good luck, suckers. Yeah, take that 10 times out of 10. See, I don't know that it would, I mean, obviously, it would completely eliminate any chance they make the playoff, but like, I don't know that that's a tremendous likelihood as it is. Like we'll, you know, we'll yeah. see it first. We'll see what happens when Georgia and Tennessee play each other this week. If it's like a big, you know, a, a wide margin of victory for Oregon's rooting for, for Georgia, Georgia. Does that? Yeah. Right. Yes, I, I, I think smoke Tennessee, right. Was it Kinzano? I think who tweeted like the best outcome for, for Oregon would be Georgia blowing out Tennessee. Um, <laughs> if they lose, they got no, they, you figure they got no chance. Can we have a brief aside about Kenzano? Uh-oh. I love Kenzano. Like I'm, I'm a, I, I, I know John a little bit. Uh, always had a great deal of respect for John. Like love John. I would advise people his newsletter is fantastic. Uh, the podcast he and John Wilner do about the Pac-12 is is a great source of information. Love John. This week I saw he had the reaction from Bill Walton about Bill Walton's feelings. Like he hadn't really talked about his feelings about UCLA leaving the, the Pac-12. He gave him to John. So that's my plug. There is a really funny thing that is happening. Where John is being, it's combination of he has put himself as a voice of authority about the Pac-12 because of his work covering the conference. He's also been designated that by other sort of college football honks. So people are now starting to take shots at him. Like there was some guy from the Big 12, like who loves Big 12 football, who was going after Kenzano last week and trying to. It's this really funny thing where I was like, it's like. SEC fans are like this, and Big 12 fans are becoming increasingly like this, where they're fans of their conference. They're like, I'm tired of people disrespecting <laughs> Big 12 football, which is hilarious to me. Like, it is so funny. It's like, here's Canzano's ripping on his conference commissioner. Like, the guy was mad about the way Canzano wrote about the Big 12 commissioner being a salesman. It was it, it's hilarious. It's, it's one of my new little favorite subplots on Twitter. It's one of the most bizarre things about the whole realignment speculation stuff is is like you just said how hard people are dug in in favor of a conference i don't get it i i honestly don't it's so weird it's so it's strange weird. right like i get being a fan of your school it's hard for me to understand where you're like i really want my conference like what do you think that's going to do for you like how is that going to improve your college football viewing experience it's it, it's really weird and then, like it's the, the accusations of you just, you know, directed usually to like Kanzano and Wilner, because like you said, they've positioned themselves through their work as, as you know, the kind of the authorities on Pac-12 football. You know, you guys are just trying to protect the conference for your own job security. I, I love the people who tweet to Wilner saying that, like suggesting that somehow if the Pac-12 were to deteriorate, that he would be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like as if it, you know, the the day that, you know, Oregon and Washington or Stanford or Cal or whoever leave for the Big Ten and a bunch of other schools break off and go to the Big 12 or whatever, like, 
like his editor is going to call him into his office and be like, well, there's no more conference. So you are fired today, <laughs> right now, on the spot. Our, be- you know, our best reporter, our biggest brand, who's you know respected and, and uh, whose who's work and history and resume speaks for itself. We're just going to let you go because the conference you cover doesn't exist anymore. So strange. Between that and the you're just doing that for clicks, where I'm like, yeah, that's the general point. Like you write something so people can read it. Like, <laughs> you just yes. want us to read this. Correct. <laughs> that that is correct. Yes, I do want you to consume the content I'm producing. That that is that is absolutely correct. Sir. So you only reported that story because you're a journalist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That that is that is true. Um, yeah. So anyway, I I enjoyed the guy. I almost injected myself into it, and then I was like, John probably doesn't need. Like, if John's not responding to him, he probably doesn't want me responding to him to to further antagonize or rile him up. Um, so I stayed away. What did you think of Bill Walton's letter? I loved it. Um, I think that Bill Walton is and embodies a lot of the things that I do love about college sports. And I think it's heartfelt. I, I feel that way about the conference. Um, I think it's really sad that UCLA and USC are leaving I understand the business of it. I certainly don't think it's going to help UCLA in the long term. I think it, I think USC will probably be fine, um, but I, I I think I think it will hurt UCLA in the long term. And I I think the people that this stuff helps are TV executives. And I don't understand why everyone is so invested in maximizing the money that TV executives think they can make from this stuff. Like it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it's from fixating on ratings. Like, I don't, why, why do people care? What, why do people care how many people watch a given college football game? Like, you can make the whole long-term argument that the ratings in the end end up helping your conference, but that's so many degrees down the road. Like, why do you, why do you care? Why, why do you want more people to watch Arizona versus Cal? If you like to watch it, watch it. Great. It, it's, so I loved what Bill Walton had to say about the the experience because I do think that we're losing we're losing we're losing something that was unique. It was a West Coast conference, like that was it. And the the best schools on the West Coast were were part of this conference, and that's and two of the mainstays and two of the most identifiable. Not to mention USC UCLA that football game is the most aesthetically pleasing uniform contrast of any game ever. Like when those two schools are playing each other in a football game, it's beautiful. Like just the way that, so now it's going to be at the Big Ten. It sucks. So George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, sent a letter several weeks, maybe it's been months now, back to the the UC uh, regents, you know, kind of outlining what, what he saw as, the, the reasons why UCLA leaving would be detrimental and, and sort of some, some back of napkin math on, you know, how really what they stood to gain, which in his mind is, is actually what they stand to lose and so on and so forth. I think his next letter to the UC regents needs to be lobbying for Bill Walton to become a regent. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That's probably the, the Pac-12's best course. And then he can just be the one regent that's the thorn in everybody's side that refuses to work refuses to participate in any discussion other than UCLA has to stay. That 100% agree. Here's the other thing I would say is that 
Bill Walton is somebody that actually does have a vested interest in in the TV, right? Like he he makes money from it. He doesn't he doesn't give a crap about that stuff. Like he doesn't he he sees it for 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 the from the college athletics standpoint. So I I love Bill Walton. Um, I I will listen to him call any game because I think it's fun. I I think he's quirky and weird and and all. Con- cities across this country have started to look the same. They all have the same like suburban sprawl, Home Depot, Bloodbath and Beyond, Megaplex, Costco. Like we're losing those things that are are unique and interesting in all sorts of different ways. And to me, the convergence of super conferences in college football and college sports in general is another step in that direction. We're losing we're losing the things that were unique and and interesting and funky about about different regions and yeah i sound too schmaltzy but and bill walton's part of that bill walton's one of the things that makes the pac-12 cool like that's he loves the conference of the fact that he always calls it the conference of champions like it's great and yeah it sucks it sucks man that 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 that's going to change going forward because i i don't i don't think we can put the toothpaste back in the tube on this one i i fully agree um but do you shop at Costco? No, no, we don't. I, I've gotten like made bigger purchases there. Like we got our TV and I bought a computer there, but no, we don't. Costco is so awesome. It's so amazing. <laughs> God, I love Costco. We have a running, we have a run. my wife and I have a running joke. Whenever we go to her parents' house, her dad will always have like some new snack or new twist on a different food or something that's just like amazing. And he's just, so eager immediately be like, oh, yeah, I got those at Costco. Oh, did you see what I got at Costco? And we kind of laugh about it, and now I, I, I kind of do that every single time I go. That's I come hilarious. back with something where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm buying that. And I bet that's – bought these uh, chicken flautas the other day. Uh-huh. Barbecue chicken flautas. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Are they microwavable? They are. I, I heated them in the conventional oven. That's kind of like the demarcation between becoming an adult, I feel like. Is when you have the option to microwave something or heat it up in the oven. Like there was a time in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna preheat the oven and stand here and wait till it gets hot enough and then put it in there for 15 minutes. Yeah, right. I'm throwing it in the microwave. But now, yeah, I'll, I'll heat it in the conventional oven. You know what I would describe it as? You're becoming artisanal. <laughs> yes. He's he's he he. he, he, he Christian has craft snacks now. He he did the old way. <laughs> you know, last time I was at Costco a couple of weeks ago, I bought. I'm always excited when they've got the the rotisserie chicken pot pie. I, I don't usually buy the mm-hmm. rotisserie chicken, although it is delicious. But when they they got the pot pie available, I will always get that. It's a great deal. Um, and the the, the lady at the checkout stand was like, you know. If you basically just suggested an egg wash on it, if you crack open an egg and and mix it in a bowl and then like rub the egg on top, it'll crisp up better. And I actually thought for a second, oh, I might do that. Um, and then I didn't, and it it was just fine. But I was actually intrigued by her suggestion that I I wipe a you know some egg over the top of the the pot pie so that it would crisp up better. That's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's good. You're growing. You're growing. Yeah. You're progressing along. Also, their golf balls are basically like Titleist Pro V1s. That's correct. To the extent that Titleist sued them, which I thought was a bad idea, because I'm like, you're just telling everyone that it's exactly the same now. 
Terrible idea. <laughs> Most of their liquor is it's brand name liquor with just Kirkland on it. Like it's it's distilled by the same people. Like Costco's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but your point stands. Uh, I'm one. I I always think it's overrated when people talk about the weather around a football game, especially in this part of the country, because I feel like it's just kind of par for the course, and it's it's to be expected. It's going to be cold and rainy and whatnot. In this particular matchup on Friday night, though, between Washington and Oregon State, do you see it being uh, maybe more of a factor just based on the fact that obviously Washington wants to throw the ball a ton? Obviously, Oregon State wants to run the ball a lot, and they're really good at it. And you know, maybe this is a game where Washington's going to have to prove it can it can also run the ball consistently to win. Yeah, I don't know how Penix is going to play in the rain. Legitimate question. Russell Wilson was not good in the rain. Like it, it had a no- noticeable impact on him. And while I think some people came to overstate the significance of it, like it 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 was observable. Like you could see it. Yeah, I do think I do think that's an issue. Um, and it's not like there are times when you'll see an Arizona team specifically from either U of A or ASU that'll come up and play a rainy game and you can tell those kids don't want to be there anymore. Like, it's just like it's miserable. And Husky Stadium, like, <laughs> let's say this. We should do a contrast to the most beautiful setting in college football to like the most miserable because when it rains there, like it really is a tough place to play, and I kind of like that about it because I, I've seen it happen. I've I've seen teams from the the southern, the little coddled kids that wear flip flops to class are like, yeah, this is for the birds. Like I'm not really interested in doing this, but you don't get that with Oregon State. They they've been born in misery too. I forget. Are you are you coming out for any more games this year? I'm not sure. Uh, we were looking at going to the Oregon State game, but I'm not going to. Um, so it's possible that I'll come out for the Apple Cup. Um, if they beat Oregon, I'll come out to, to watch them lose to Colorado. <laughs> I was going to say, what a ridiculous hypothetical that is just for the like the, the two things well, having absolutely nothing to like, do with each other. You're like, oh, this would be a tough question. I'm like, hell no, beat Oregon. I Honestly, if you said they they beat Oregon and and lose the rest of their games, I'd take that. Absolutely, a hundred percent. Take it. Like See, beating Oregon would be great. Give me that for a week. Yes, you would take seven and five with a win, yes. with a win over Oregon over nine and three with a loss yes. to Oregon to a, yes to, to a really good Oregon team on the yes road. yes. I'm not sure most would agree with you. Well, that's because they all don't have the proper degree of hate for Oregon. Yes, give me seven and five with the win over Oregon. Um, we did. We talked to Michael Penix Jr. yesterday, and he was asked about the rain and the weather and said that he hadn't played in many rainy games in his career. He couldn't remember many at Indiana other than when he was redshirting as a freshman and he's from Tampa, Florida. Um, he did say he could, he could remember maybe one game in high school in Tampa that was played in heavy rain. And he said he figured he, he threw for about 400 yards in that game. So <laughs> what about his hand size, Christian? How big do his hands look? Yeah. You know, they haven't given us a measurement. You might have to they, wait for the combine for that one. Do, do they look like? Do you, do you do you crack up about the fixation that people have on hand size? Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it, I mean, it's fun. Like it's funny. It's it yes. is it is comical. Who was who had it the was, small hands last year? Oh, I don't remember somebody having small hands last year. Did somebody? It's always funny when it happens. Was it like someone someone had really small hands or really big hands, and I forget 
Was it Kenny Pickett? I got Kenny Pickett's in my head for the, the hand size thing. Let's see. Um, 8.5. 8.5 inches. Yeah, that's smaller than Russ's. Um, was Kenny Pickett 8.5? And then I guess there was a different at his pro day. It measured at 8.625. Do you think he did? Do you think he did hand stretches to get ready for that? Yeah, I don't Wait, know. Wait, that's that's really true. He had a different hand measurement at his at his pro day. Is there a supplement oh, you can take to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to like momentarily increase your hand size? He goes, "What did you do to prepare for your pro day? Well, I've really been doing my hand exercises, <laughs> like really working on my dexterity so they can measure my hand better." <laughs> yeah. When I go to when I go to bed at night, I I use rubber bands to keep both of my hands all all my fingers fully extended, oh, like Mickey God. Mouse. Oh, that was the funniest. Brock Heward sat there and like swore up and down to me about how important hand size was for a quarterback and the, like that give them that. And like I'll I'll say this, I, we don't think enough about the actual mechanics and the athleticism of throwing a ball, right? Like it's it's something that most often gets taken for granted. Like, we'll talk about releases and look at that, but, like, the actual act of throwing a ball, how far you can throw it, the velocity, the spin, like, all of those things, like, are pretty complicated. Like, it's 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 an athletic maneuver, and we just, we, we tend to not look at it all, the, all that hard, but the fixation on hand size is hilarious. This is a, it's an interesting matchup for Washington, because I don't know that they've faced another team that is as committed to running the ball as Oregon State is. Like, you know, Stanford... Stanford wanted to run the ball. I mean, going back even further, Michigan State wanted to run the ball. And Stanford, UCLA, and ASU in consecutive weeks all had a 100-yard rusher. Um, and if you go and look, like, Washington is just middle of the pack in the Pac-12 in terms of, like, pass attempts against them. It's not as if teams have just said, oh, we're throwing the ball 50 times. Like, teams that have a really good tailback, teams that want to run the ball a little bit just as part of what they do – They've done it. They haven't like backed off of their running game just because there's yards to be had through the air against Washington's secondary. So like I I kind of wonder. I mean, just especially knowing like kind of how crafty Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren are offensively. Like I do wonder if they'll try to exploit Washington through the air a little bit more just because they're going to see some weaknesses there. Um, you know, despite the fact that they're they're again it looks like playing their backup quarterback Ben Ben Goldbrinson. Um, but like they, they're a run first team, and they have a really yes. good offensive line. They've got a bunch of running backs. Damian Martinez, their true freshman, has has kind of carried the load the last couple of weeks. But you know, Deshaun Fenwick is a really physical, bruising runner, and they've got a guy Jam Griffin, a transfer um, who who's also been in the mix too. I don't know if Trey Lowe is healthy. I don't think he's played recently. Um, would have to go back and double check that. But it's going to be the first team that's like. You know, no matter what is is going to test them on the ground, and I think the weather is going to dictate that too. And while like Washington has been pretty good from a yards per carry against standpoint this year, like they've improved a lot in that statistic from last year, I'm I'm not ready to like chalk them up as this is a a really good run defense just yet because I don't know that they've really been tested by a team that's totally committed to it and has it in their DNA. I feel like Oregon State. Like the only way they need to come out and stay their best approach is to hammer the run. And maybe if, if that doesn't work or they see Washington start to, to adjust to it, but 
they, you just laid it out. That offensive line, like they're one of the strongest teams up front. The fact that it's going to be a miserable game, like this should be a game that plays to their strengths. And I completely would expect them to challenge Washington. Washington's defense, like for all of the, the issues in the secondary, like Kent State was able to move the ball on the ground against them. Like granted, it was pretty late in the game and it didn't really matter. But yeah, I, I'll i be interested. I, I, ex- I expect Oregon State to come out fully dedicated to its sort of throwback smash mouth approach. And then, you know, offensively, I think it's it's alternately true that Oregon State maybe hasn't seen a passing offense quite like Washington's, although, geez, they held USC to 17 points. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that was a really impressive performance. So may, that might be the best barometer. They've not gone on the road and played particularly well defensively this year. Um, that might have more to just to do with the, the opponents, but... Yeah, they they were a, a miracle completion in the final seconds away from losing at Stanford. They gave up twenty seven. They gave up forty two to Utah. So I think like there's this is not a dominant defense, but it's it's definitely the best secondary that Washington has faced. It might be the best secondary that Washington will face all season. Um, I don't know that I see them backing off of of their approach throwing the ball. I think that you know they've got, they've got reason to think that well. Oregon State hasn't hasn't seen an offense that can do what we can do, and, and you know Oregon State's got reason to think. Well, you know Washington hasn't seen a secondary like ours, so I think that's gonna that's strength on strength. I don't see Washington shying away from that at all. Um, just like I don't see Oregon State switching it up and throwing the ball a ton, just because that's that's Washington's perceived weakness. So I think it's it's a fascinating matchup on both sides of the ball. I'm I'm kind of interested to sort of watch the chess match of. Okay, you know how does how does Jonathan Smith and and Brian Lindgren want to go about attacking this defense, and you know d- does Washington change anything up or you know try different routes or you know look for easier, quicker throws, both because of Oregon State's defense and because of the weather. And um, I think it's I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a good one. I think the the over under was like fifty seven or something, fifty four and a half. Is the over-under going to determine the winner? If it's under, do you think Oregon State wins? If it's over, do you think Washington wins? I think you got to like Oregon State's chances if it's under that, right? They're more comfortable. Washington's played more games that recently that have been of the non-shootout variety, but early on it was always everything was a track meet. I mean, 54.5, like 28-27 hits the over. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not very many points. And Washington has scored like crazy at home. Yes. So that'll be a, we're getting ahead of ourselves though. That's our last pick of the, that's our last <laughs> pick of the podcast. We got to stick to tradition here. Not another, not great week. I, I went two and three and picked up a game on you in the standings. Yeah, I had a, I had a rough one. You did get the, that Colorado covering 13 and a half though. But that's it. The buffs were your saving grace. Yeah. It was it was it was a it was a disappointing. I was I was disappointed in myself. I felt I I, I felt poorly about it. Uh, we're now tied for the season, seventeen and twenty-two, each of us against the spread. We were both over five hundred. Like I feel like that was only three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, not an impressive per- performance these last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I was I I was let down by the Cougs, man. 
Like I thought the yeah. Cougs, I, I, I was, I was let down by the Cougs. Utah even went and like had a different quarterback. Cam Rising wasn't playing, and the Cougs, the Cougs, Cougs didn't show up for me. Well, you took, you took Utah though. Yeah, and oh, did I take Utah? Yeah. We oh bo- really? We, we I both thought did. I took the Cougs. Oh. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to go go under the hood, put the headphones on, and go under the hood and review that one. Review the evidence. Did you see, did you watch the the USC Arizona game? Did you see what happened at the end of the first half? Yes. Yeah, that was where they they did they keep the clock winding, or and then and then all of a sudden like it, time ran out when it was clear that USC should have had time to still spike the ball. Yeah. And then, and then the Pac-12 hasn't said anything about it. Can they go a week without just an egregious missed call that everyone's talking about? Yeah, I it's it's very strange to watch officials habitually find themselves in positions that they're just incapable of governing cuz like that was that was a mess of of game situation, right? Like it was the the person running the clock didn't know what they were doing at all. And the officials were incapable of recognizing that and asserting control. And then just declare everything over is what it looked like to me. Yeah. So, but I, I think the Pac-12 actually did acknowledge this one, right? Oh, did they? I knew that. I knew that on Monday I hadn't seen anything from it, and people were wondering. I think it was Kenzano had said that they hadn't talked about it yet. Yeah, I, I saw. I I don't know that I actually saw an explanation, but I think. Well, what's the explanation for it? Our officials had their head up their ass. I think it was just uh yeah they screwed up. <laughs> that's always what it is right it's always just, yeah yeah sorry sorry do do they help does it help at all when they acknowledge it like do they need to acknowledge it um i think it's worse when you don't but it definitely doesn't mm-hmm. make anyone feel any better yeah but it I yeah am see, I, I am seeing here there was a statement there was a statement from the pac-12 acknowledging um acknowledging the mistake uh it's I just in that sort of situation, like the officials just very clearly need to come together and talk to each other and at least stop everything from happening after after that after the half expired. They they should have just demanded everybody stay in position and then talk to each other and maybe they could have sorted it through, but instead they're all like, What happened? I don't know. Wave your hands. Okay, it's halftime. And you're like, you guys like you had to know like you have to know that the clock operator might completely screw up in part because they're affiliated because the clock operator is that hired by the Pac-12 or is it the school? Uh I believe it's the school but I'm not positive. But the official time is always kept on the field, right? Like that the 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 clock as we see it is that that it's that is secondary to what the officials decide. I, I just I don't I don't get it. I don't get how they just constantly find themselves in this situation where they look completely clueless because they are. That's what's I think that's what's frustrating is when it's a situation that like you like you said, I mean, you literally can go back and fix it when it's a, yeah. when it's an issue of the like. It's not like, oh, well, you know, we missed a call and then a play happened. And, you know, by rule, there's just nothing we can do, although it, in certain instances, you can because we we saw that with Oregon and Wazoo, and them just getting the downs wrong. But yeah, like it's it, it seems like it'd be simple enough for one of the officials to just be you know hold everybody. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what time? What time was the clock 
when the player was down. Yeah. Right? And then we're going to set the ball down. And then we're going to wind the clock. And then you can see, like, that's that's easy to reset. And instead, they're just like, oh, I guess it's the end of the half. Go get your orange wedges. You're like, what kind of two-bit operation is this? <laughs> also, I, I don't think the Pac-12 acknowledged this. I think oh, I'm seeing really? it. I'm I'm seeing it in some headlines, but I don't. You click on those stories, and I don't see anything in the story that mentions them acknowledging it. So, and I don't know if that makes that much of a difference. Like, I I, I don't. I I think all in all, it's better to admit mistakes than not admit mistakes. But like something like that, like my question is always like, why does this keep happening? Like why why? <laughs> And I know it happens across college football, but it happens in the Pac-12 more. Why is that? I don't know. Why? You would almost think it might be systemic, Danny. <laughs> How can you not fix this? <laughs> Legitimately. It, I don't know. It, 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 it boggles the mind. It, it is strange. I know one thing that, that Kenzano kind of has... Um, brought up a number of times, and I I think this was in the the Sibson report that they had um, commissioned a few years ago, was that they don't have a they don't have a a partner conference and therefore a pipeline from like a group of five or, or FCS conference for officiating, um, which I don't think helps. But I <laughs> I doubt you need it's a developmental league. Yeah, you, need, you do. You need it. You, you need an officiating G League. Yeah, we've got we've got a problem with our officiating pipeline. <laughs> God, <laughs> stupid conference. The five star officiating recruits all all go to the SEC. <laughs> they don't want to stay out like, west. You you could not, honest to God, like that combined. So earlier had my whole big rant about how much I love the Pac twelve, and I do. But God, this conference is stupid. Between the dumbass Pac twelve network. And the the stupid officiating and the fact that they don't even have a feeder system for like, God, ah, oh, so frustrating. Maybe it ties into the network though. They figure if nobody can see those missed calls, it's <laughs> it's not as big of a deal. Ah, uh, do you want to? Uh, well, we'll get we'll get to that after the after the first pick here. Cal Cal visits USC. The Trojans are favored by. 21 and a half points after failing to cover against the mighty jet fish, mighty jet fishes. Yeah, man, Arizona, Arizona was competitive in that game. Um, I'm flat out wrong about jet fish. Like the, the, the fighting fishes, the, the fighting fishes are, are, are worthy PAC 12 program. Like they're not, they're not awful. They're not bottom of the barrel. Like they're, they're acceptable. They're, they're not even the second worst program in the conference. I, I don't think. No, uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay the lumber here. I'm gonna lay the lumber and 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 give the points with USC. Uh, I'm tempted to do the same, but man, they they let us down last week. Yep, we couldn't cover 15 and a half against Arizona. I think Arizona's. Nope. See, I would think Arizona is a better team than Cal, but Cal put it on them. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna take Cal to cover 21 and a half. Um, yeah, I know it's on the road this time. Uh, they were at home against Oregon and and lost by eighteen. And the transitive property is a not a reliable uh, tool to to make gambling predictions. But it just feels like a lot. And I don't know that the Trojans have felt like the dominant team that maybe they were shaping up to be. Uh, if you just looked at their offense early on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my trust in the 
the Golden Bears to cover three touchdowns. Uh, would you care to guess what the line is for Oregon at Colorado? Have you looked at it? Oh, I haven't. So I'm looking at... Is it 28? You're close. You're close. Really? I'm, I'm looking at 31 and a half. God, and that's at Colorado. It is. God. Yeah, you know what? I'm taking Oregon. I'm going to lay the lumber with Oregon. Yeah, so am I. Um, Oregon's Oregon's in this in the spot where they're going to try to play their way back into the college football playoff. Yeah, and yeah. I, I'm 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 laying the lumber. I don't see how a scenario where Oregon punts in that game. <laughs> and like Oregon, you know, the biggest concern if you're Oregon about your team is is your defense, right? Like they've given up they've given up some points. Um, the advanced stats don't love them defensively. Uh, Colorado is not a team that's going to make you pay on no. that side of the ball. So, I mean, I just, I think this is going to be an absolute route. Um, you know, it'd be awesome is if Oregon didn't suit up a kicker. <laughs> just went for two every time, every time. Like just, we're, we're, we're not going to kick. We're not going to punt. Like we're, we're going to do no kicking this game except for the kickoffs. And maybe onside kick every time. Yeah. Yeah. The, was it was a Pulaski Pulaski high school. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd be down for that. Um interesting this is an interesting matchup. Washington State goes to Stanford. Stanford's bad, man. Wazoo's favored by five. Yeah. I'm taking the Cougs. Did you see that St- Stanford was awful last week? They were I thought that was gonna be a deflated UCLA team. Stanford scored thirteen points. Yeah. They were they were overwhelmed by a rowdy Rose Bowl. God. Just just like I predicted. Yeah. I didn't see the attendance in that game. I didn't either. Um, I'm going to go with the Cougs. They, man, they got some issues offensively, and it's too bad because they they have a really good defense, and they've put a lot on those guys' shoulders this year. But a lot of frustration around the uh, the screen game for for Wazoo these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't. I, I assume that stems from not trusting their offensive line, which I think there's reason for because they've given up a ton of sacks this year. But it just seems like Cam Ward is is way better than the uh, the plays that they're calling for him. Yes. It certainly seems like he's capable of doing more than what they're asking him to do right now. And that would generally believe that they don't feel that they're able to protect for it, I would assume. Because it, it seems like everything that they're doing is like he's just not going to have time we we can't we can't trust that he will have any amount of time to do anything so it's all on the move and then the screens i watching watching the screen game if it's if you throw more than two or three screen passes a game i i'm probably going to hate your offense like it feels <laughs> like the like it's the equivalent of a junk ball pitcher like that's what, you're running a knuckleball offense if you throw more than three screen passes in a game you're a knuckleball offense and it's it's basically their running game because they yes. don't run the ball, which I kind of because thought they, they would do a little bit more than they had in the past, but it hasn't yeah. been the case. Yeah. They're I, b- I, banged I, up there, too. Injuries haven't helped. Nikia Watson's been hurt, and I think their backup got hurt, too. So and they got they got some issues on that side of the ball. I think Stanford's going to have a really hard time scoring on them. Is it when they use the run game solutions? Have you heard? That, that term seems to have declined a little bit in popularity, but a, a few years back, everybody was using that as like throwing to the back out of the backfield as a run game solution. It's like, what the hell does that mean? 
It's like, oh, we don't trust uh, the offensive line to be able to block well enough, so we're going to throw the ball to the running back as a as as an as an alternative, a run game solution. God, were they throwing the football? <laughs> yeah, they were from the quarterback position. Yeah, to yeah. It, to, you know, if you do that well enough, you um you could win the football game. <laughs> God, U- Utah's a seventeen and a half point favorite over Arizona. I'm going with the Fighting Fishes. I've turned over a new leaf. Come yeah, on, that, Arizona. That feels like a ton of points, doesn't it? It does. It sure does. I'm going to take Arizona, too. That feels an awful lot like Vegas saying they, they think or know that Cam Rising is going to play. That was weird. Let's go. Dude, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I, I, I feel that I have, I have criminally undersold U of A all season. The Fighting Fishes. This is, see, your your lack of faith is going to bite you on this. They're, they're, yeah. yeah. You, you, you bought in way too late and now they're just, they're not going to cover any of these games for you. Yeah. We'll see. I deserve it. It, Yeah. You would, you would. It would, it would be what you deserve. Um, Washington is a three and a half point favorite. Give me the dogs over Oregon State. And I'll lay the points. Give me the dogs and I'll lay the points. Yeah, that's. I'm going to take them too, um, mostly for the the home field advantage. I think if this were in Corvallis, I would have a really hard time not picking Oregon State. Um, but I I think the this this will be one where the home field kind of makes a difference. And I I think that uh, I think Washington will overcome the weather and and still find ways to get the ball to their. Their most talented players still find ways to get it to Odunze and McMillan in space. Maybe in the screen game, Danny. Maybe we'll see a lot of screen, a lot of receiver screens. <laughs> you throw more than three of them, you're a knuckleball pitcher. <laughs> and I do think, like, you know, again, I'm not convinced Washington's defense is, like, definitely really tough against the run when it's an opponent that that has that as part of their DNA. So, like, I think Oregon State's going to get going to get something done that way, um, but it's a lot harder to to sustain drives and score points when you're relying on your running game more than your, your passing game. And I, I do think that's, um, that's going to be Oregon state's game plan heading into this one. So I think it'll be Washington. close. I think it'll be a good game. I, I will take Washington to cover the three and a half. Washington is going to try to score the football. Yeah. <laughs> we never hear that. We always hear score the basketball. We never hear score the football. I'm going to try to score the football. You yeah, did I mean, a really good job at scoring the football today. You do have like, it makes no less sense than scoring the basketball. Yeah, no, it's same sort, same sort of thing. Like you need the ball to score the points. Do you think Washington's offense has greater upside potential? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're tremendous when they when they play pitch and catch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as long as the opponent doesn't dial up too many blitzes. Oh yeah, you gotta uh, always need, dialed up. We need to send an extra pass rusher. Can you bring me the courtesy phone? <laughs> We're gonna dial up that blitz. Yeah. <laughs> or get gashed in the run game. Always gashed. I, I do always gashed. I do like the term gashed though. <laughs> because see, in order to gash an opponent, you, you gotta hit some chunk plays. Yeah, chunk plays is another good one. <laughs> Big chunk plays. <laughs> chunk. Oh god. Uh god. I I'm remiss. I forgot I forgot UCLA and Arizona State. The Bruins are I'm favored go- by ten and a half in Tampa. Yeah, I'll go Bruins. That <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm going Bruins. I am too. Uh, I like the way they took care of business against Stanford. Nothing flashy. Um, didn't have to throw the ball a ton. 
rode the running game, got out of there with a, a huge win against an overmatched opponent. And I, I think that's, uh, that's going to be the case on Saturday as well. They are going on the road. Weird things happen in Tempe, but, um, I like the Bruins. Late one for you on Friday. I know. I'm going to have to drink my coffee. Stay up late. Yeah. Dedicated. Do you like Friday games? Yeah, I do. I like I I I I do. I enjoy, I enjoy Friday games. Um I've I've always liked going to them. Um Yeah. I I I do, except when they're delayed by the truck race. Didn't that happen when <laughs> UW was at Stanford a couple of years ago? Was that a Friday game? Yeah, it was cuz I went to that game. Okay. Um, I was down there on the farm. Um That was yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> truck race. <laughs> Uh, the the start of the uh, the Cal game got moved to a different ESPN channel because ESPN the, News, yeah, yeah, they had to finish off the post game interviews from the Alabama game. Alabama was at Mississippi State, yeah, and and Alabama was just stomping them. I I think it was the question was whether or not they were going to hold Mississippi State out of the end zone. Like I think it was like thirty five zero. Yeah, they late. scored late. <laughs> Freaking hilarious! They scored um, to push, I believe. <laughs> Oh, that was a bad beat situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, depending where you got, I had a friend who bet on Mississippi State for some reason. I, he told me that, and I'm like, what's wrong with you, betting, against Mike, betting on Mike Leach against Alabama? I think it was, I think he got him 24. I think it was 24 to nothing at halftime. And then was and it, he, it he 30 lose. to nothing? And I think it ended 30 to 6, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. So, which uh, every every Husky fan should know, because you had to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, God, that would be something. If you if your if your bet comes down to a garbage time touchdown and conversion, like that's 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 the rule number one on never gambling. Don't my, ever gamble. My same friend, so he got he had Penn State plus eighteen last weekend against Ohio State. Oh and it was looking really, really good. Yes, it was. They were only down six, I wanna say. Then yeah. Ohio State scored a touchdown. And in our chat thread, a couple of us were like there's a pick pick six upcoming to to yep. send you back on the wrong side. Literally the next play, JT Tuimaloa pick six off of Sean Clifford to go up twenty to cover the eighteen, but there was still two and a half minutes left. Penn State went down and, and did score a touchdown with a minute left, so he got he got the points back and won his bet. But that was that was nearly a very very bad beat. The the excruciating nature of sweating out those sort of games. I mean, there are a lot of reasons I don't enjoy gambling and don't do it, but that is the number one, like how f- invested you get in really meaningless stuff. Um, I, I, I can't, I, I just can't, it seems pointless to me. Like I don't want that much of my attention being decided on things that nobody involved really cares about anymore. Does it change if you put like an insignificant amount of money on it? No, I, I just, I just don't like it. And I've I've realized that like I really like playing poker, but I really don't like even playing playing blackjack. Like even when I'm up, like I I don't like it. I like being around gambling, and I like watching games in a sports book. But I don't I don't like the feeling of uh, of having having that risk. It's yeah, it's just something I've learned about myself. I enjoy it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I wish I did. A lot of my friends like really like gambling. I think it's uh, it's most fun like when you're in Vegas and just on a trip or whatever, and you know, you a couple of buddies just pick a game that you would never even watch a single second of otherwise, whether it's football, basketball, um, 
and and you just you bet on the same outcome and now it's just kind of fun to watch it and yes let it go down to the wire and you know and then you know if you're betting against the spread you, it's more likely that you're you're going to be engaged all the way till the end right it certainly will extend entertainment you get two things to watch the actual outcome of the game and the outcome of your bet yeah so good luck with your bets this week everyone <laughs> Don't bet. Don't. Gambling's terrible. Well, and if you do, uh, maybe fade our picks. <laughs> so that's what I like to. That's what I like to tell people. Like, even if you're terrible at picking games, your 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 picks are instructive because yeah. now people can just bet the opposite. So, uh, bet against what we pick. Enjoy the game on Friday, and we will talk to you next week.